we're live, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, uh, welcome to No Name Games, episode seven. Welcome. Episode seven here. Uh, we have a special guest today. Episode seven is about the art of games, and uh, with us today we have an artist from our agency. And he is an amazing artist, an amazing person. We are blessed to have him with us here today. And uh, so myself, Manny Fresh, and FCOS work with, uh, with Oscar uh, on a daily basis. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually let him introduce himself before we, before we get the episode started. So Oscar, go ahead. Tell him, tell him all about you. Uh, okay, I will start by introducing my full name. My name is Oscar Alonzo. Um, if you'd like to find me on uh, social media, I'm on Instagram. I'm under Oscar underscore E underscore Alonzo with an S. I'm also available as the Asshole Artist. <laughs> you, you heard that, that correctly, the Asshole Artist. Why? Uh, well, because uh, I've always, I, I had this... I don't know if you want to call it a mantra, but I had this belief that uh, if I'm going to do stuff that's going to be a little bit irritating and some people are going to be pissed off about, then I'll go ahead and beat you to the punch. I'll call myself an asshole, you know, <laughs> and, and I don't know, nobody else has it. And, and that's the nickname for my motorcycle, uh, the asshole. I don't know. I, I just got drawn to that. You know what it is? It's like if you've ever, if you're out riding on the road, you're driving and somebody uh, you cut someone off and they look at you and go, hey, asshole. And you go, I'm a nice guy. Why did that guy call me an asshole? Yeah. So nobody knows me, so I'm just going to go ahead and beat you to the punch. I'm an asshole. So the <laughs> asshole artist. I'm not really an asshole. I consider myself a nice guy. but You're an asshole. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm the illustrator at the agency. and uh, a very good one. Thank Amazing. you very much. Right. Thank you. And I deal mainly in storyboards. Uh, but you know, concept art, uh, any any type of artwork that needs to be done. Um, one of the things I had to do early in my career was distinguish myself uh, because I came into advertising as an artist, as an illustrator. But at the time, everybody in advertising was known as a graphic designer. So oh, people yeah, would yeah. say, "You're a graphic designer." Mm-hmm. Uh, I said, "No, I'm an artist." Yeah, you're a graphic designer. <laughs> no, 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 I'm an artist. So I had to define that I was an illustrator. Then I had to define my medium, which was I had to stick to storyboarding because storyboarding is where most quote unquote illustrators got work because yeah. otherwise you were just you were considered a desktop artist. And I was I'm still definitely not that. I struggle with design. Don't so get pissed. no, no, no. But that, <laughs> it, it uh, it's something it's it's a way that I've always had to characterize myself because yeah. when people call you up on the phone, they go, oh, so. Can you work in this? Can you work in that? And I have to clarify, all I do is artwork. Yeah. I do drawings. Mm-hmm. You know, that I do actual drawings. Better than stick figures, but I do drawings. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's actually a really good uh, intro because it lets everybody know, lets our audience know how you got started in art. And as we talk about art and we talk about art within the context of gaming, you know, one of the things that we should just lead with up front is... What are who are the people that make the art in games? What are mm-hmm. they what what are they called? Are they called graphic designers? Are they called are they just called artists? Um, you know, uh, I know for a fact that if you like look up art jobs in gaming, you're gonna see a couple things, and these are just the things that I'll throw out at you. You usually have a lead artist or an art director, mm-hmm. so I think that's ubiquitous, mm-hmm. regardless of you know whether you're working for an agency or a client or you're even doing you know your own thing. Um, but then within gaming. And you know this better than I do, right, uh, FCOS, because 
you worked with Maya. We've talked already in a couple of episodes about how much you love rendering yeah. <laughs> and how long it takes and how long it took compared to now. Uh, but you have 2D artists, you have mm -hmm. concept artists, you have storyboard artists, uh, there are texture artists, mm -hmm. and then you have your 3D artists, right? So you have modelers, um, environmental artists, lighting, uh, and and um, mm -hmm. and animators. So I mean, I, I just sounded off on yeah, about yeah, yeah. eight different positions, and even within those and there's positions, more. I, can, I can name more. Yeah, no, even within <laughs> like a texture artist, you have a sprite artist, right? Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it, and an interface a, artist, a, a 2D game. Yeah. Right. For yeah, a 2D we're talking game. about sprites, right. but you also have, I mean, within the because not only digital artists are working games, right? Um, you have environment designers that will basically paint um, environments you have um, well, I don't want to call them fashion designers but mm -hmm. it's like kind of costume designers, costume designers that yeah. will create like the costumes I mean imagine just think about those just all those armor designs in Destiny mm -hmm. and Warcraft and yeah. all those games there's somebody designing that specifically that not not, yeah. not with a character not it's that there's also sculptures uh, the, it's it's funny because 3D modeling sculptures yeah. that are based the 3D modeling exactly is based off of, people yeah. get surprised when I when I tell them that I did sculpting in school mm -hmm. it's like oh well, what do you mean yeah what's that got to do mm -hmm. with yeah anything? well right. you kind of sculpt the character that right. you want to build and right. uh, before you even um, model it sometimes so there's a lot of disciplines um, lighting artists um, special effects artists some people don't understand what special effects are like the whole thing is a special effect no we're talking about particles explosions mm -hmm. those kind of stuff uh, water um, so and and even depending on the production of, of, of we're talking about the, some productions are smaller than others mm -hmm. but they they're even divided and in, 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 um, within the actual discipline, they're even divided. Let's say you have texture, uh, you have texture people. You yeah. have a team that a works team on that textures works on... of terrain. Right. But then you have a team that works on painting the characters. And right. then you have a team that works the textures of, of the um, actual armor and cloth and all those things, like the environment texture artists. Yeah, I so, think I think in one of the things that for me from an artistic standpoint, one of the things that you have to be able to define is the term artist. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you're talking to the layperson, such as myself, when it comes to video games, but when it comes to the art world, it's completely different. When you use the term artist, as we were talking about earlier, um, to the layperson, artist is anybody who uses a computer and does mm -hmm. some sort of design. But as you're saying, the people that work within the video game industry, there are thousands of people that can work on one particular title. Mm -hmm. And all of these people, for one way or another, are, are all artists, from the writers to the creators to the, to the, the person who does any sort of coding. Yeah. They are artists. Now, if you want to really define the artistic merits of each of these people, the artist, uh, if you're going to look for the, the base purpose, you know, you have the designers, you have the character designers, mm -hmm, you have the mm -hmm. texture designers. These yeah. are people who are real artists in the term of the way you think of like a Da Vinci or something. They yeah. actually make drawings. Yeah, exactly. So if, it, you know, we can say we want to define that a little bit more, the art of video games. Uh, but yeah, you, you can't, you know, give a nod to this without, you know, um, giving credit to the people who actually do 
have a lot to do with making this art three-dimensional and yeah. live. But as far as artists go, we're going to try to focus on the people who create actual drawings and mm -hmm, create mm -hmm. characters and, and give visual life to these games, yeah. not so much the, the, the coding or how the how the stuff yeah, works. I don't, I, I don't know well, I might get a little technical. Yeah. You might. <laughs> uh, Fcos likes to get technical. I, I love getting technical I, too. I do. But... But your technicality comes from your experience and, and your education as well. Maybe, right? yeah. And, and, and you dabble, right? Well, I do consider the technical leads and the technical people. And you mentioned them in, your, in what you just said. Um, this people who actually create these engines and make all the, all, all the art that the artists make work in an environment... Mm -hmm. in, in a digital environment, right. I think these guys are artists too. They, because no, they are, what yeah. they Absolutely accomplish yeah. in, in, in a game that is rendering every frame every 60 seconds. Yeah. I mean, it's. They incredible. have to create new technologies to make these things happen. Yeah. But they have to understand how the art is going to look and how it's going to work for the medium and yeah. for, for the game. Uh, to give you an example, I. I spoke about Tom Sanaki, I think, in our second uh, podcast or when we were talking about um, a virtual reality and, and AI mm -hmm. um, because he is now the lead uh, engineering manager for social VR at Facebook. But Tom actually got his, uh, well, started his career working for Pixar. So this is the guy that developed the technology um, and introduced this technology called modeling to pose. Um, and it was a technique that allowed the artists to see their character models within the context of whatever the design of the story was, um, which reduced like approval times for certain types of art um, and improved the art director's confidence in, in, in the overall design. Yeah, it's of the kind story. of like a previs. You can get to see it in real time, so you exactly. don't have to worry for all, mm -hmm. wait for all exactly. that. Exactly. So, to be done. what did that do? That led to, I mean, he did the background character hair RD in Finding Nemo. He master rigged, modeled, and rigged Kevin, the burden up. Uh, he rigged LaRousse, uh, he rigged Mater, Mia Tia, Chick Hicks, and Bessie in Cars. Right. So after reading about what this guy did and then watching Cars again and watching up, I'm like, wow, that bird, I know how that bird happened. And I know the <laughs> yeah. artists behind it and not just the art, who the artists were, but then who created the technology that helped the artists get, you know, this particular piece of this movie, you know, to, to a better place. And I think that that's fascinating. Um this guy is also the guy, by the way, just to, to remind you, that went on to work for Bungie and did all of the um, the cloth, hair, faces, and character and cinematics for all the all the Destiny um, so characters. Cool. And you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of pieces of clothes and yeah. um, armor and you know all kinds of really cool things. Just to add a little note, um, did you know that this uh, shorts that Pixar... In every movie, they include like a little short before the movie. Uh -huh. um, they're actually doing this to test new technologies. Yeah. I heard. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure because I've never yeah. worked for Pixar, but I heard that what they do is they do this little, um, this little um, um, short films to test new technologies. Mm -hmm. And if you, and if you pay attention, there's a very specific thing. That it's dominating the, the 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 short film. Like when you had the clouds, you can really tell it's a night. I mean, there's a lot of technology in how the clouds are made, mm -hmm. right. and then the birds is about. Well, now it's a given that you know um, feathers are 
in every single movie if they right. want, but back then you had to drive. Probably that was feather. very yeah. hard to well, generate I mean, feather. Um, not to brag or anything. But <laughs> no, please brag. No, you're, no. you're the genius. Uh, I have this, no. Sir. Thank you. No, <laughs> I have a friend who has a friend. Okay. Who actually works at Pixar? Okay. And nice. long story short, I almost got in to meet this guy, but they were busy on something, so I never mm -hmm. got in. The closest I got to Pixar was outside the gates with my son in 2007, and I couldn't get in. Mm -hmm. if, if you're a movie uh, buff, you uh, it always reminded me of National Lampoon's Vacation when, when they, they get, get to Wally, Wally World, World. Of course. And they, and they hijacked the security <laughs> yeah. guy. Yeah. I felt like doing that. I had a little moment there where I was <laughs> I put a gun to the guy's head and we went inside. But no, that didn't happen. I want to ride the roller coaster in Pixar. Yeah, take but if, there now. if you if you think back to uh, you know again some of Pixar's um, I want to say brief history, but uh, if you think back to there was a little a short called Tin Toy before they did their features, hmm. and Tin Toy if yeah, you compare yeah. it to one of their latest shorts, which I, which I think was Bow. Uh, they came out in The Incredibles 2. Which one is... Yeah. Uh, it I was the story one. about the uh, the Asian family yeah. uh, and yeah. the little... Oh, I, yes. I want to say dumpling or I'm, yeah. I'm not sure what <laughs> it was. Remember. But you're right. What what Pixar has always done was they used the, they used the, um, the entertainment factor of the shorts, which used to be something from the 40s and 50s where you'd go to the theater and there'd always be a cartoon before the, the, the mm -hmm. serials that you were going to watch. They used that and they brought back the shorts. Now, you go back even further before, uh, you know, digital uh, video games, uh, you think of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And mm -hmm. Roger Rabbit actually did that too, where they had, they had a short before the movie. It was related to the characters. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. But it helped out a little bit. So That's cool. everything that Pixar did with the shorts was, like you said, to develop some of the, uh, the animation, to teach people and to do the things that they didn't really have the time to take a chance on with the features. Mm -hmm. So if you go back as far as what we all you know as uh, Pixar's first feature film, which was Toy Story, mm -hmm. and you compare it to Toy Story three, yeah, oh yeah, it's it looks like uh, you know uh, you know. Well, how about this? Super Mario compared to you know whatever is brand new now. Compared to <laughs> that's how much I know about video games. <laughs> well, no, I mean Mario. That's that's Super about Mario. It. <laughs> I was gonna be Mario, Nintendo, you know, yeah. Donkey Kong. That's well, it's like mean. comparing. It, it, I would say it's probably co comparing Super Mario to like Super Mario Brothers Three. Yeah. Right. Like they went so far <clears throat> from from the original, um, and the way I see that is, I mean, you can even compare Tin Toy to Toy Story, which. Right was the basis for Toy Story. Right. Uh, uh, Steve Jobs actually funded Tin Toy mm -hmm. um, and kept it on, even though Apple was losing money. Yeah. But because he thought, wow, this technology well, I think is he, amazing. I think he founded uh, Pixar bef after he got out of Apple. Yeah, he, right. right. He, he helped Pixar stay on their feet. He but gave he totally them funding them, to yeah. keep them yeah, on their feet. Yes. Right. And uh, so that's a that's a really interesting uh, nugget of information mm -hmm. there. And if a lot of people haven't seen Tin Toy, it's... Five minutes, you can look it up, and uh, you get yeah. an idea of how far they've come. It, it's got a little bit of a creepy factor too. It is because the, the baby's trying the to baby, kill the yeah, toys all the and, time. and just <laughs> yeah. everything is so pioneering, so brand new. It's a little creepy, yeah. but it, it's it's a good creepy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell you, Toy Story three is kind of creepy. Yeah. I mean, you know, they went from I, I mean, it was cute when he was a baby, and you know, he the toys are alive and. But then when he gets older and, and the toys meet those other evil toys and, yeah. you know, things start to get a little Some crazy. Some of those toys are creepy. Yeah. Some of those toys are really strange. And I, I think sometimes what happens in the entertainment business is, because uh, I, I, 
one of the, one of the things that uh, because I was able to get to the gates of Pixar, mm-hmm. there I think it was Chronicle Books, a publisher that does a lot of the art of for the Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. They had this contest online, and it was the first contest I ever won online. And they're like, write an essay about how your life with your son and blah blah blah. Anyway, I wrote about how we almost made it into Pixar. Mm-hmm. We were any, nowhere near making it into <laughs> Pixar, but I had a photo to to back up the whole thing. And the prize that I got was a book that was the history of Pixar. Cool. This nice. huge book. So I read a lot about it, and you know, I learned a lot of things about the history of Pixar, the beginnings of Pixar, mm-hmm. how they went from like two, three people to as many people as they have now. But a lot of the things that they did along the way, you know, were very pioneering. They they developed a lot of new things, and uh, along the way, they you know they they developed new software, they developed new ways of doing things. But they always said. Um, we don't want to be in the business of creating straight to DVD or straight to VHS movies. I'm going way back, but we don't want to just do a movie like Toy Story. Uh, it has to have a sequel. And they fought that for a while. They fought that for the longest time. And they were going to do a sequel for Toy Story that was going to go straight to VHS mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and every movie seemed to have uh, a sequel attached to it because if it succeeded, yeah, Hollywood Why wanted to hey, let's do it again. Let's do it again. And Pixar wanted to stay very much uh, in the story mode. They didn't want to just do a sequel for the sake of doing a sequel. But if you ask me, they kind of fell into that trap once Disney bought them and kept them alive. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like you kind of have to. There's a couple sequels there to some of the Pixar franchises that you go, why? Yeah. yeah. Why did you? Why did you right. have to? Cars do this? being one. Cars. Although yeah. I will say. Cars three is an awesome movie, and we talked about Cars three a couple even, times ago. I, I a didn't even see it. Ago. You haven't seen it yet. So I I really didn't like uh, Cars one. I mean, I think we're talking about more about movies than games. Okay, yeah, yeah, but we're, we're, we're we're on the artistic side <laughs> yeah. of uh, Cars but, one. Yeah, I we'll didn't like that much. You know what though? And uh, Cars two. It makes a lot of sense uh, for us to talk about, about movies and and everything else because I heard something today from the cans. Uh, video that we saw right and and uh, maybe you might want to yeah i'll let everybody know so today at the agency we basically uh were presented with these two speakers from uh mars from mars the client uh the client marketer from mars and the create lead and the lead creative c uh the cco of bbdo mars the candy conglomerate right right? mars the candy conglomerate not the the planet planet. (laughs) (laughs) these two presenters from mars people darp and sloopy (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, you know we we're not that far out yet. Um, but yeah, so you have the you have the client from Mars and you have the lead creative from BBDO. And mm-hmm. interestingly enough, these two were on stage at the Cannes. Uh, uh, Some say con. Cons con. at the cons <laughs> at the cons. Uh, I called it the advertising TED Talk because that's kind of yeah. like what it felt like. And they said something that was really interesting, which was. Uh, and this was the, 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 the fellow from Mars that said, we're in the entertainment business. Yes. And when, when he said that, it struck me as the first time that I had ever really heard either a client or an advertiser, somebody that works in the agency world, just totally agree with that. And then I start to think, okay, so movie companies, what do they have? They have artists. They have creative. They have copywriters. They have all these. And they have editors. And you know, in the agency world, we have everything that you yeah. know a studio we have a studio we have i mean so to make that for us it's very easy to switch over and start to talk about movies because we we 
can relate to those processes. Yeah. Right. Which actually is where I want to go next. And I, I was hoping that maybe you guys can give the audience and give me some more insight on what that process actually looks like. Because for me to go into a Barnes and Noble or a Books and Books and pick up the art of Zelda or the yeah. art of of Destiny and to just start to look at those sketches and to see how beautiful the original concept sketches were. How does that make it to this digital world? How does that make it to the screen? And and can you talk a little bit about that process? Because I, 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 it's, it's, it's a very intricate process. Is there any way to... To, to, to communicate it in, in a more simple way. Well, because again, from what I understand, and again, and, I'm, and I, maybe I'm speaking for a lot of people that don't understand how this works, you can either draw this stuff directly digitally, mm-hmm. or you can draw it by hand first and then figure out how you're going to transfer it into a digital place. Well, I mean, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. take that a little bit. Um, I think one of, the, one of the key things is when you think about, you mentioned Barnes & Noble, and I've seen a lot of bookstores go out of business, and they're the ones that are still alive, and obviously you can still buy style book, uh, easy there. You can still buy books online, but uh, if you're like me, old school, and you like to actually go into a bookstore and find these things, one of the reasons is that you have an audience. You have the geek audience, and no offense to nerds and geeks. No, but, I am that geek but, audience. Uh, we, <laughs> good. You, you have that audience that will consume yeah. that information. Of course. Uh, whereas before, the only time that that was available, I, I'm, I'm going back to when I was a kid in the 70s, you know, and, and there were comic books, but nobody ever showed you how they were made. Right. You had to write a letter into the yeah. editor to get an idea. Oh, and really? very rarely would you get to see how it's made because... I think I was talking to someone about it, but all that stuff in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, that stuff got thrown away. Well, I thought it was proprietary. It was proprietary, but a lot of stuff, you know, sketches and stuff like that got put in a dumpster Mm -hmm. and thrown out. You don't do that anymore. You don't don't do that anymore. So, you know, you have that information. So someone says, we have gold here. So basically what you have is you now have an audience that wants to consume this information so you have an outlet for that. So you know, maybe you you can say more on, on. Well, I mean, in terms of of what the process of creating uh, one of these games in this case, or any movie or whatever, I mean, I only have one experience of creating a uh, uh, writing a script for a movie, and and of course I created characters and I made some stories while I was in school doing animation and all that. <clears throat> Uh, but the first, very first thing for me is the idea. I mean, you don't start drawing or creating a character without having an idea. I mean, you can randomly draw something mm-hmm. and then use that for an idea that you later on ca- uh, could have. But it's, it's the basic idea. You, for me, that's, that's the very first thing. What is it that I'm going to do? And what's the purpose of it? And once you do that, you start creating your characters and assigning different attributes to those characters. And then you go into designing those characters. <clears throat> I mean, not, not even that. You start, you, you start writing your story using those characters. Mm-hmm. And then when you have the story and, and a, you know, an entire story, and let's put the case of a, of a story game that has a beginning, a middle, and an end, then once you have that, then you start the actual art, little art of creating these characters, designing the characters, how they're going to look, how they're going to dress, 
and and maybe in your story you have some description of that, but the actual doing it <clears throat> um, on paper or digitally um, starts. And I know many artists that do it in many different ways. Some artists do it by hand and um, on paper, uh, the traditional. I don't know if tradition is the right word, but yeah, traditional. <clears throat> fun, yeah, yeah, the traditional way of just getting paper, start sketching and drawing, and I know people um, with a Cintiq uh, like you at the office start drawing on, on Photoshop or whatever software they want to use. They start drawing and painting until they get to the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, once they they have a character design approved. Um, that goes into sculpting the character, um, and then it's the whole process of the 3D creation of that character. Um, there's many studios that now do 3D scans, even of people. I mean, some move, some games now use uh, actual actors, right? And they can 3D scan them um, yeah. to have that the model of them. Um, I don't really know. I mean, I I would guess that many studios have many different processes so but you know they start modeling the characters and all that and they start modeling the environments designing i mean this whole thing of the character that i've just mentioned probably happens with the with the environments the maps the you know the actual world if it's a um, destiny for example let's use that maybe the planets um how the maps and the planets how it's going to look the foliage the rocks everything everything they start doing that Okay, let me let me <coughs> simplify this even further. That was too complicated. No, I, mean, I think that was that was good. Uh, but let me let me give you some other perspective. You are one of the artists on Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. Okay, and your job is to create a Goomba or a or a or a, mm-hmm. a, a Koopa Troopa. Mm-hmm. So these are the little guys that you just squish. With Mario, right? so I'm already given the idea. So you're already given the idea. You mm-hmm. don't really, do you really need that much story to to to, to draw this these little characters out? Maybe it depends on the complexity of the. Because what I'm thinking is, I wonder how many having times, the background helps. Right, having the background, and you know that Mario's got to save the princess, right? Okay, let's just say Mario's got to Let, save the princess. Let's start. And he's let's got start an with the Mario. Nothing makes sense in Mario of if course. you think about it. It's a plumber <laughs> <laughs> that eats. Right. Mushrooms, right? right. Well, stars, mushrooms, yeah. And sometimes stars leaves and, and flowers, yeah. And flowers, right? So he's a drug addict, right? He's <laughs> <laughs> rescuing a princess from a dragon, right? It's all a hallucination. He actually doesn't do yeah. any of it. And then the enemies, trip. <laughs> the enemies that are defending this dragon with right. the with the kidnapped princess, right. Are I don't know what the the little kumpas are. The Koopa Troopas. They're the like, Koopa they're, Troopas. They're like well, they're, what they're, are they? They're like turtle ducks. Well, let me let me let me interject here. Let me interject. <laughs> and here. the little brown, the the, the brown the goombas. Let me let me uh, let me. What, what are those? So, but, but I'm gonna Walking, give Oscar. Well, let me give let's, a chance. Let's here. try this approach so that we can stay on uh, on the the topic here, which is the art of video games. Okay. Um, <laughs> I I am not I am not a, an avid video gamer. Um, I, I did, uh, in the early eighties when I was, uh, finishing high school, that's how old I am. Uh, <laughs> I was finishing high school. I remember, uh, video games, uh, at convenience stores 
and mini arcades and malls oh, popping yeah. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is when Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, all these games were popping up. Right. And I remember even in the late 70s that video games were starting to appeal to people more. You know, you had coins and you weren't just going anymore to toss basketballs or, or you know, uh, or do the, the actual physical arcade type games where you had to have the game interact with you. Yeah. It, it, it was mechanical. Right. This was actually, uh, you had a TV screen that, that created an illusion for you. And this all required art. But the original uh, version of video games was very much electronic. Uh, I don't know how Pong came to be, but I do know that maybe something happened. Because a, a lot of great inventions were invented by accident. But maybe something happened where somebody's looking at this at this electronic screen and all of a sudden hey you know what that looks like that looks like a car going down the road so somebody figured out the sequence to make it look that way Mm -hmm. and then a carpenter put a uh, put a steering wheel on the device and put a seat in it and said you know what we can charge people in an arcade to have them do this of course that they found again that there was a consumption for this so the the market blew up yeah and so the games became uh better uh they required artists and and so that's when you had the arcade explosion of the early 80s so going to see all that, that that's kind of where I started my interest in video games. And, you know, you have to have a bunch of quarters or a job or something. And I, I only had whatever I could scrounge up. But I'd go into the arcades and I'd watch these kids. They, they, you'd stack your quarters up on the video game. And that meant that you're going to play all those quarters before you yeah. leave the machine. <laughs> right. So you'd have to sit there and wait. You'd see how many quarters were on the machine. You'd be like, we're going to be here for a while. Because not only does this guy have like five bucks up there, yeah. he's good. Yeah. So you you know you'd move around and you'd play some of the least popular games. So what that brings me around to is we talk about the more popular games, mm-hmm. but in order to focus on the subject of video game art, mm-hmm. let's talk about the ones that didn't succeed and why they didn't succeed. Because I don't know what these oompa loompas or things are that you call. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what they are, but they obviously succeeded because you're trying to figure out: is it a turtle? Is it a hedgehog? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. But there's a lot of video games that did not succeed because they were either trying to copy that mm-hmm. or they went in the wrong direction. Like you said, uh, Mario must have been a drug addict because <laughs> of the, the, the world that we're living in. Right. Yeah. But there are a lot of companies that tried to follow in the success and maybe didn't have the proper artists, proper art staff, maybe didn't have the proper funding. But uh, if you want to focus on what makes things work, yes, it is a combination of the, the entire marketing package. But if the game artistically is not um, yes. impressive right. and doesn't have some sort of a foundation for a story, none of it matters. And what these artists do, they're all hired. Artists are hired uh, for like, I, I guess, three, six, eight months, maybe a year. Depending on how long these companies are working on these things, they're hired to come work. And as soon as that gig is up, they have to go find a, a job somewhere else. Another unless gig. that studio picks up something else. Yeah. And retains their services, but artists are freelancers for hire. Right. You know, so these guys are going out there and they're busting their buns to try to do the best they can and not repeat whatever they did at the last studio. Right. Uh, and then they're also hoping that this studio won't go under while yeah. they're working there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but one thing you go back to that time where we when the, there was arcades and pong and all that. Um, it's funny because the conversation today. There's a lot of conversation today of of if visuals are important in games and back in those days it was very much one of the main things about games it was the visuals and it was because you know you started with a black and white image that's like the pong it's a zero and a one pixel 
illuminated one pixel on one pixel on, right. off and it was just that and then that evolved to colors and when the when that started to happen what actually was grabbing the attention of people a lot was that that actual visual that how it looked the colors were coming up and we're talking about i don't know i'm not, i don't have the the actual data before we started the show i was trying to find it but we're talking about a very a minimal amount of colors mm-hmm. that the this game could have mm-hmm. and then came out um you know the nes with vga with more colors with 200 and something colors uh, yeah. or 64 Two. colors i don't know well I'm the 8-bit you mean the 8-bit nintendo yeah uh 256 256 on screen at the same time yeah so that and and if you think about it nintendo always has very bold colors yeah they're right. very bold the greens are very they're never like uh desaturated colors even yeah. today they keep right that and not not to interrupt your way. flow of thought mm-hmm. but one of the things that that um hindered the the console game early on the home console game was that the video games that you'd get at arcades blew the home consoles away yes because Mm -hmm. i don't know if it was processor i don't know what it is but for some reason those had more vivid graphics it was it was until the home consoles caught up and blew those other guys away but that happened you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right because when i i'll just use this as an example because i think everyone would get it when mortal kombat came out for the Sega uh, Genesis and for the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. You know, they were great games. Everybody loved playing Mortal Kombat, but it still wasn't as good as the arcade game. And, no, and consoles at that point had already come a long way. Well, consoles know? consoles were the main way that people will consume video games. Well, at this time, people were still playing a lot of arcade games. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, if you went I into... I mean, these were if arcade you, games. Right, but if you went into the arcade, for example, at that time, you could play a game called Killer Instinct. And Killer Instinct was known to be this visually striking, like, beautiful game, like the... The colors and the 3D effects and everything about the game was awesome. You would have crowds of people just watching the game. Right. You know, not even waiting to play, just watching other people play. You want an so interesting cool. fact? That game, they couldn't really port it to console because the, the technology wasn't... It was sprites. Advanced enough. And it was sprites, yes. It was sprites. So right. sprites are, in games, uh, back in the day, uh, there was there's something called sprites that's basically... Um, you have everything static in the image, and then you have pieces of, uh, uh, of, of pixels. You have chunks of pixels that where the things are going to be moving. Mm-hmm. So those are the sprites. So back in the day, there were sprites, animators, and all that. Right. Because it's the little Mario that's right. going to be moving. Everything else is static. It's right. just like an image, if right. you will. But then the sprites is it, what moves. And did you know that Mario was composed of like four sprites? It's not a single sprite. Well, that makes sense because it's so block. He's so blocky, yeah. you know. So it's right. like four sprites right. together. So imagine like coordinating the four sprites to create a single character that to then move looks around right. and that jump can jump. And yeah, it it was a tedious. Uh, but work. that shows you the evolution of the art, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Of video games, how you were you were. It's being called beaten. pixel art. Today. Yeah, you yeah. were <laughs> being beaten by arcades, mm-hmm. right? Because they had better artwork. Better art. And, and the yeah, consoles exactly. couldn't keep up with them. But then what factored in, which changed things around, is that parents didn't want their kids hanging out at CD arcades anymore. Right, because right. not only were there kids with quarters in their pocket right. where you could have pizza and, and maybe you know yeah. go on a date with your high school sweetheart, yeah. 
there were the creepy people there too. Yeah. You know, there were there yeah. were guys my yeah. age now that were hanging around yeah. there with children. Yeah. So arcades the cons- were a mixed bag. Yeah. The console game didn't necessarily do it for the people, but you could tell that the market was starting to turn. Where the console said, "If we want a bigger part of the pie, we're going to have to improve our game." And a game that came to mind when you were mentioning those those earlier games was E.T. E.T. Oh, is yeah. famously Big known failure. for being a terrible. Yeah. Terrible game, right? I love the worst. It's the worst uh, game in history. I love, I love right. it though. Yeah, yeah they had but a yeah, mass grave, bad. didn't they? For yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, they have a mass grave. They actually, they actually went back dug to them and dug them up. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I mean, that documentary. That now. there's an example of terrible right. art. Now, terrible art. Why is it because they didn't have any artists on staff? I don't know. I don't know enough about there's why a story, they built there's it. There's a story. I think, um, and I'm, I'm not. I don't know if I'm 100% correct here, but I think it was rushed. It was very rushed. Something yeah, that really happens today rushed. still with studios, but the game was really rushed and was made by one guy. It was, yeah. it's, he was the, the director, day, I think developer, was like, and yeah. producer of the game, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. I, yeah. I don't remember his name right now. So these guys are the original Pixar yeah. artists. And right. when you forsake your artist, mm-hmm. right. that's what happens. And earlier right. we were talking about why are we talking about movies because a lot of these Pixar movies that we were talking about also yeah. had an accompanying game that released at the same time. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. You know, so it, it, it one industry kind of pushed the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you were saying before about the shorts for Pixar, uh, video games were also emerging in, in forms of storytelling and art with the release. Of, you, you'd watch the end credits and you'd see soundtrack and video game available and you see that scroll up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so uh, video games um, actually got the younger generation. I'm talking about the elementary school mm-hmm. kids because those were safer to play uh, into the console games that mm-hmm. that uh, pushed the the evolution of the technology right and it pushed the art and of course if you had like uh, finding Nemo and then you had the arcade version or the home console version people were very savvy they didn't want oh yeah th- yeah but it doesn't look like the movie yeah. so one thing pushed <laughs> the other yeah. uh, they used the art from the movie and sometimes they used licensed art yeah. from the movie but the industry helped artists develop uh, because we referenced E.T. Well, who knows why it was made so poorly, but they forsake the art. Mm-hmm. So the industry, uh, because they had to match movie quality and audiences were becoming more and more aware of these things, it made a business for artists to work in. If you didn't work in animation as an artist, if you didn't work in advertising, and advertising was starting to turn the corner. Mm-hmm. You'd farm that information out. You you wouldn't really have a staff of artists like you did in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Now you farmed it out. But now the industry pushing has made it so that you have to have these people either a uh, either a reliable stable of artists mm-hmm. that are qualified and right. good, or you had to have these people on staff. So you know the, the consumption of, of these things made it better for artists. Um, and I think sometimes there's a bubble. Mm-hmm. So obviously some of these 3D games, which I'm not too familiar with, that's going to get to a point where the bigger the bigger companies are going to win and they're going to crush the smaller people. And of course, the ones that lose are going to be the artists. And we're all going to be scrambling to find different studios to work at. Now we have social media. Right. So there are more avenues for artists to work. But as far as art goes, I think art is what sells your video game. That and story. Because right. mm-hmm. nobody buys a video game because somebody developed it or something. The only thing that might change it is maybe processor speed, but that's yeah. very geeky, very 
techno. Yeah. Well, you will you unless will, you're a laptop video you will gamer think, or something. But, yeah, you will think. But the, the I'm, gamer, I'm an artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but the gamers are very technically savvy. Well, yeah. I'm an artist. The, so gamers I'm, are I, technically the subject savvy today and, is art. And the subject today. Is <laughs> art. No, no, no. And and, and and going to that, there's a lot of. Here's my opinion on that. There's a lot. I'm very visual. I'm right. very visual. I, I bought games because right. of their cover. <laughs> right. Um, something that you shouldn't do. Judge a book by, by its cover. Well, but yeah. I remember Far like, Cry 3. Like shopping I, for food when you're hungry. I didn't even know about Far Cry, the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw the cover and I said, this is so cool. I'm mm-hmm. going to buy it. And I got it. Yeah. And there's several games. Even my, my very... My favorite game now, right now, near Auto, oh, oh, near Automata. I um, I bought it because of the cover. I saw the cover; it caught my attention, and I got it. But uh, right now, there's a lot of discussion on 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 if graphics are important in games. My opinion is, first, <clears throat> there's a discrepancy of what people gamers say and what actually happens because the thing is that. Most hardcore gamers or whatever, they would say, oh, no, graphics are not the important thing. Yeah, but uh, games come out with with bad graphics or bad art, and they will complain about that. Right. You know, they would say, it's crap, it doesn't look good, yeah. it's, not, it, it's not good enough for 2018, right. doesn't look like this other game, blah, 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 blah. They will go on and on and on with that kind of shit. Right. Um, my thing is, right now, my opinion is that there's so much technology... That because what gamers consider good art or good graphics, a lot of gamers is how real it looks. And now there's so much technology that not even not even art can go to a second layer after gameplay. But there's so many styles that can be, um, you know, experimented with. Right. Um, and. It's weird because some gamers are not very well adjusted to that. I mean, you see games like Zelda and on the Switch. They have their reasons to develop a game with that look and right. all that. But it seems like a game that's designed to look like that. And what I'm saying is it's a game that looks cartoony instead of right. realistic. Right. Um, and there was people complaining about it. It doesn't look good enough. I mean, it, it looks all cartoony and, and, and shit. But, but that was their that intent. was by design. That was their intent, and so. and I think it's beautiful. Yeah, I, so, think, I think it's beautiful. There's a lot of subjectivity there, but um, being objective about it, there's so much technology nowadays. But what is that? Real? You can implement a lot of styles of art. It's right. it's beautiful the amount of yeah. uh, of artistic experimentation you can have in a game and. What you see in games, especially in mobile, I, I I might get a backlash here because I'm talking about mobile gaming after oh, no. the Diablo disaster. No, <laughs> but we gotta but, tell uh, Oscar what happened with Diablo Immortal. But so you go to mobile, happens. and when mobile uh, games started coming out, there were so many beautiful games, like Angry Birds. Angry Birds was beautiful, but I remember uh, this Candy game Crush, that was that kind of uh, Monument. Candy Crush. Yeah. Monument Valley or Valley mm. Monument or mm. something like that. It's so beautiful that game. Yeah. Um, and the music, right. because I don't know if it's because of data that they assume that everybody has not everybody, but mo- a lot of people with mobile will use headphones. Mm. So the music and in, in those games are very you know very 
I don't, I, I don't know. I, I can't find the word in my head to, to describe well, it's immersive. it. So very, yeah, very immersive. Uh, the ambience of the yeah, movie, the ambience, it, yeah. it feels very, very cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll say a couple things about that. Yeah, you have different kinds of gamers. You have gamers that value gameplay over art mm -hmm. or visuals, and then you have gamers that value visuals over the other, right? But I think at the end of it all, they kind of everything has to work together to put together a, what That's people what, would yeah. would call a good game. It is entertainment. It is entertainment, so it's whatever appeals to you the most. But so maybe that's the gateway for you that it has excellent visuals, but you realize now that you love the gameplay, mm -hmm. right? Or if you're the opposite kind of gamer, the game is sold to you because of the gameplay or because of the replayability or whatever, and you realize, wow, this game actually looks really good. So. I feel like one or the other could be either the entry point for somebody or mm -hmm. the surprise factor, right? Um, but just going back to a couple things that both of you said. So first yeah. of all, going back to the era of what you would call like the 1970s to 1983, where you had the Atari, uh, ColecoVision, and Intellivision. Um, those are the years of Space Invaders, Missile Command, uh, Pac-Man. Uh, these games, as much as they were visual marvels for their time uh were sold by the art on the side of the cabinet yeah right and the art on the box of the video yeah. game um but remember, we're still we're still talking about the arcade era right we're and, I, and i'm going back so mm -hmm. that we can then move forward into today and i think mm -hmm. it's important to, to to do the chronology um and and also what i'm actually following is um there was something that was done by the smithsonian american art museum which was called the art of video games and what they did was that they put a display on um, back in 2012 um, and the exhibition was designed to highlight the evolution of art within video games and they had two criteria uh, their focus was first of all explore uh, uh, the 40-year evolution of video games um, uh, as an artistic as an artistic medium so very specifically about the art yeah. and the, the two criteria were of the focus on striking visual effects so they had to be, they had to pop, like something about the visual effects had to get you and the creative use of new technology. Mm -hmm. So what you're both talking about makes perfect sense yeah. because while Oscar reminds us that the, the purity of the art is, mm -hmm. is probably the most important part, you know, FCOS can, can also remind us that all the technology behind all this stuff is, is also what, what makes it work for it to work as a, as a good video game. And so just going back to some of those arcade areas, yeah. Uh, the arcade era was a real CD era. Uh, you know, you had uh, popcorn rugs, lights, sounds, uh, black lights, black lights, dark rooms. Dark oh, yeah. rooms. <laughs> yeah. um, I had the, the, the loud music, loud music, yeah. rock and roll. Uh, sometimes the disco music. I had the the pleasure of having my cousin be the uh, arcade manager at oh, Funorama. Yeah on 49th Street cool. at Westland Mall. Mm -hmm. So he was the manager of the arcade. He was also a security guard at the mall. So what he would do is my parents would drop me off with him and he would basically just ask me which machine I wanted to play. He would open up the machine and he would click it 30 times so I got 30 lives and then he would go into the back room of the arcade where he would polish his gun, right? <laughs> and that would take forever. And so I had, you know, all this time and I would say, you know what? I want to play Afterburner. Afterburner was a notoriously hard game where you would have to plug in 20 bucks to beat this game. Okay, oh, wow. And I don't know if you guys remember Afterburner, but you're sitting in a know. cockpit and the thing moves. Yeah. Oh, so nice. here's another here's another layer, right? Mm -hmm. You have visuals, you have gameplay, 
but then you've got a machine that's moving you around. And I think that that was one of the first types of machines that started to do that. And now you have Dave and Busters and all these other places that that kind of um, really work that way. Um, Going forward, you have the Commodore and the Nintendo Entertainment System. And anybody can look up what the Smithsonian landed on as far as the most visually striking games. I think anybody that played some of those games can say, yes, Super Mario Bros. 3, visually beautiful game. Yeah. Um, during the Sega Genesis era. I was playing it two days ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mario 3. <laughs> Super Nintendo Star Fox. When Star Fox came out, it was just such a fantastically beautiful game. It was... Um, it was new. I think it was Polygon. It was, it was one Polygon. of the first games that implemented polygons in visuals. And it was actually accomplished because you remember the cartridge? Mm-hmm. I think oh, yeah. that was... That was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the that was one of the games that brought uh, a, a, like a chip yeah. Inside of the cartridge, right? In in order to give more power to the console, mm-hmm. really? to actually render real polygons, wow. yeah, real time, and the thing at a frame rate that was playable, right? And there's something to note here. I'm getting very technical now. That's right. <laughs> um, That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, You're technical. I'm non-technical. So I'll dumb it down. We're the perfect dupla. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's something um, uh, interesting here is that by this time there was no um, graphic card right it was done by the processor correct and memory and all that but there wasn't a dedicated graphics card and that's actually when we're talking about uh, this time that like the renaissance of arcade with Street Fighter 2 and Mm -hmm. Killer Instincts and Mm -hmm. Mortal Kombat what happened was they had a huge cabinet and we're talking about raster sprites right. still in these games. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a 3D graphics card dedicated to render the characters. So these were actual sprites, mm-hmm. if you will. They were, they were simulating... I mean, they took pictures of, of people in Mortal Kombat. Uh, but there, was, there were actually sprites. So what they did in the cabinets were, was add more hardware... Because it was a cabinet just for Mortal Kombat. They didn't yeah. have to take into account anything else. Right. So they put more hardware. So the cab- the actual game, it's you know better than what the console could do the because console the console do. was yeah. lower. Yeah, it's dedicated just specs. to that game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, so that that's a, that's a really good point. Now, fast forward to today, okay? Today we have very powerful computers mm-hmm. that can... That have you know we have amazing graphics cards. We have do fantastic you know why, processors. Do you know why the computer is superior to consoles, and when that happened? Well, okay, so I mean, in graphics, in art, in graphics, do you want to go all the way back to DOS, <laughs> or do you want to? Do you? It was wanna... actually. Uh, it's kind of a connecting to what I just said. It's actually when. You remember the Voodoo card? Of course, the yeah. Voodoo cards were awesome. <laughs> so there and was the graphics. very first graphics card right. dedicated to to render graphics, and that's when th- the nature of a computer ba- being modular instead of a console just being that, right, and you right, cannot right. add and take out pieces. Right. The computer just took off, and till this day, it's superior rendering graphics and visuals and the art. Yeah, and um, consoles are now becoming like computers. Yeah, consoles are mini computers. Yeah, yeah. Mini computers. in order to keep right. the price accessible for people, I mean right. the hardware is limited. But the things are doing in in, in, in consoles yeah. nowadays. I mean, you see God of War, the game, and it's like, 
Wow, that's yeah. impressive. You give a couple but Russians then, some PS4s and they could do some damage. Yeah. The birth of the graphics card um, was like a definitive a definitive um, thing for the PC game that took off as the superior kind of visually um, capable machine. And then the, you know, the consoles took the more accessible route. Yeah, and today... I okay. I love building computers. Ever yeah. since I was able to start pulling out my hard drive, popping in a new hard drive, popping in a new processor, changing my motherboard, all that stuff, I I, I geeked out and I started doing all that stuff. Buying buying my own towers, creating my own liquid cooling system. Uh, I remember telling my dad once. He's like, oh, uh, you know, we got to go outside and change the oil of your car. And I'm like, okay, you're going to have to teach me how to do that. But I know how to <laughs> yeah. put a radiator in my computer if, I, right, if you yeah. want me to show you how to do that. <laughs> and so, um, you know, so it was really cool. My dad and I were trading like mechanical skills on, on different, um, different levels. Uh, but nowadays what we actually are seeing, which I think is, is a fantastic kind of evolution of all this stuff is you don't even really nowadays have to have your own monster computer. To play games, mm-hmm. and and both Fcos and myself are now part of a beta program that GeForce has um, implemented, and what it basically does is all of the processing of all the games is now done on the cloud. So okay. all you need is a window right. that connects to the internet, and that's it. You can have a game playing at the highest settings, ultra settings, and you don't need the processing power right, right. inherently in your machine. All you need is again an internet connection. And that is going to change everything because mm-hmm. it's not just GeForce that that, that is doing this. Um, yeah, yet yet more evolution, yet more right. reason why the art changes, yet more. Yeah, you know, you're bringing in 3D artists, you're bringing in people who can think in different ways. Right. But again, uh, I, I know that there have been some quote unquote video games out there that are not art driven, but. When we're talking mass consumption, when we're talking, you know, the you know the, the market, you know, when you go into um, one of these video game stores, you know, uh, which you know I guess are are becoming obsolete because of online, but one thing drives the other, and yeah, art definitely. is still like you said, you bought a game because of the art you saw yeah. in the package. Yeah, we work in advertising. Right. We know how that stuff works. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you have. You know, one of the things, I want to go back to something I was thinking of earlier when you were talking about, you know, it's not necessarily good art or anything. One of the things as an artist that irritated me with what's going on with social media and in the last 10 years or so are memes. Oh, M-E-M-E-S. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to do the history of memes, by the way. Yeah, and, they, and, and I'll come and back for that episode. one. Yeah, I'll yeah, come back for that. that. We're going to need you Memes are irritating <laughs> simply because they take... A photocopy of a photocopy or a bad jpeg or with a pixelated image (laughs) and somebody writes some some clever witty remark on it and then somebody shares it and the more they share it the worse it gets and and but but people love these things yeah uh now when i say (laughs) people love these things i talk about the younger generation Mm -hmm. and here comes old fart rant but um uh, my son uh on his uh, on his ps3 he had a background, and it was this goofy-looking, terrible-looking drawing of these weird-looking characters. They were just kind of floating around on his home screen on the background. And I'm thinking to myself, boy, as an artist, that's that's irritating. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, you got that. people who are trained. you got people who are possibly, um, you know, uh, born with this talent who are very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And then you got some numbnuts 
who draws something <laughs> with his foot yeah. and people love it. Right. And all of a sudden that's and, the new game. And sometimes yeah. sometimes the worse the the meme the better the better performs. Yeah. Right. Now, uh, let, just so that we can definitely put the <laughs> icing on the cake of the memes. Yeah, um, save that. Uh, <laughs> the meme, a meme uh, in, in definition is an activity, concept, catchphrase, or piece of media that spreads often as mimicry or for humorous purposes you know, from person to person, right? Um, but the word meme was coined by a guy named Richard Dawkins, okay? in a 1976 book called The Selfish Gene. And the idea behind the meme, or the, the idea behind his book was actually to, uh, his attempt to explain the way cultural information spreads. And the problem that you are alluding to, which he talks a little bit about in his book, is that um, the, the internet meme is really the hijacking of, uh, of someone else's idea. It's yeah. hijacking an original idea and just you make it, it your own. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and spreading it that way. But just like cultural ideas stick, internet memes that are good stick around for a long time. Oh, yeah. No, um, there, there's... there's uh, I'm not discrediting uh, the what the meme has become because everything takes on a popularity of its own. I may not agree with it, but as an artist who has been trained and an artist mm-hmm. who, who, who seeks out discipline and you know tries to learn from the best and tries to continue to get better... You know, uh, one of the beauties of social media is that, you know, when I was a kid, you had no way of publishing your work unless somebody discovered you. Right. And even then, you still had to be good. And and then you'd be on a, in a newsstand somewhere, hopefully, and you'd have to survive maybe 50 other titles. Now, it's like catching lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be good. It just has to attract people at the right time in the right way and it takes off it doesn't matter if it's good so as an artist who is trained myself and i'm sure many others probably feel the same way that it's it's annoying and it, and it feels like a slap in the face that it is a bit of, your it, ass. it is a bit of a slap in the face yeah and you you do all this stuff and you know but when you know when you talk about the development of, of video games and the artwork that goes into this there are a lot of talented men and women who are working in this business who, who give life to these to these video games uh, and um, you know they bring some you know there, there's a lot of talent that is being brought in and and even those who you know maybe catch lightning in a bottle and mm-hmm. and are become famous because of a meme or something even then that meme has to be made a little bit better somebody has to turn yeah. it into 3d so you always need qualified artists I don't care how crappy how shitty <laughs> the original artwork is yeah. if you don't have qualified artists um, let's see how long you can last on memes people will start clamoring mm-hmm. for good stuff yeah the meme was so 2018 I want good stuff <laughs> you know because yeah. Who wants to pay for shit? Yeah, yeah, nobody wants to pay for shit. And I think memes are still, even though they're designed to kind of be catchy, they do, a lot of them, let's just be honest, it's like advertising. A lot of it is um, is not good. Right? right. A lot of it, and we learned that today at the cons. The uh, cons. At the cons uh, TED Talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and we know this, working in advertising, that um, 98% of advertising is not good. So how do we come combat that? How do we get yeah. ahead of that um, as 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 uh, as advertisers, as artists, as as creators? Um, I think it's up to us to say 
you know, we want to make this better. We know that this isn't good enough and, and we want to actually put something out there that is meaningful, not just to us because we're attached to it because it's something that we've created, but that it's something that is valuable to other people. And at least the way I see it being a marketer, that it is something that is valuable to the consumer. Yeah. And, and I'm always thinking about the consumer first. But going back to marketing and, 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 and maybe through the lens of art, let me ask you guys something totally uh, sidebar. Um, uh, people would, would and, and I learned this in, business, in, in my, my master's program in business school, some of the best ideas are stolen. Yeah. Some oh. of the best marketing ideas are stolen. And I don't mean like just right out theft. Uh, but, you know, we did a big case study on Apple versus Samsung and how every single aspect of the iPhone, when Samsung copied it, uh, Apple sued Samsung because the rounded edges were a design patent, mm -hmm. which an artist created. The, the speakers being here at the bottom were a design patent. The button being at the bottom was a design patent. And Apple sued Samsung for all of those things. There were technology parts of the lawsuit as well, but the art of the phone was and I think everybody could could agree with this. That was also part of the the uh, allure of the of the of the iPhone was that right. it was a, a piece of art almost in your hand, and um, to have Samsung just come and just basically jack all of it and then still be a successful company is kind of strange. But it does say a little bit about the way the world works. So how do you guys feel about that in terms of? Video, maybe not in terms. Maybe you can talk, Efkos, a little bit about how you feel about that in video games, and 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 Oscar can give some perspective on well on it from from a from an artist perspective. I, I'm gonna start with a quote that probably Oscar also had in, in his head. Is it mm -hmm. the Picasso one? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's a debate on if if he was him, but it, the well, quote, you know, it, Abraham Lincoln said a lot of Picasso. yeah. <laughs> I love Abraham. On my screen yeah. says it was Picasso, but yeah. it, it's a good artist copy, great artist. Deal. Okay. So, my perspective on that is that you, everything, you might be born with a talent, mm -hmm. but everything you ultimately do, you learn it from something else. So, I think that I, I, I think I, I would say that everything is more of a remix of everything you learn. Everything's a remix. Everything is a remix. So, so it's like what we were saying about the story, about the extra commercial, about the story, <laughs> how I was saying every story has already been told. Yeah, it's basically it's how you make it your own and how you reintroduce it or how you shed some new light on a different part of it that we didn't think about. I mean, is that how, is that how you're trying? Well, to let's, let's think about um, visuals in gaming. Mm -hmm. I mean, is there something um, unique on how Fortnite looks? No. There's nothing unique. I mean, you've seen a lot of games that have this same look. Mm -hmm. They just took that element and m mixed it with a bunch of other elements and aimed it at a and, and it created at a, a new audience, thing, right? So it's just taking a, a a bag of things in A and a bag of things in B, create C by mixing them. Or maybe it's taking the best things out of exactly. bag A and the best I things mean, out of bag B. Me as an artist, um, I, I, I don't really, I'm, I'm against copying things, so let's say like in advertising, if you will. If something is done, for me, it's done. I mean, if I have a, an idea that I didn't know it existed, and I see something remotely similar to it, I would just drop it. 
Because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm like that in that sense. Do you feel like it loses credibility? It does. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me as a creative, it does lose credibility. Especially with, you know, there's an audience judging you. Or if it's actually judging you. But there's an audience looking at it and and saying, hey, this is the same idea that I saw this and with this other thing. Mm-hmm. So... I don't like to be in the spot. Now, I, I'm not going to deny that as a creative, I mix things mm-hmm. that I see. Like, I, I love watching, like, let's talk about cons. Mm-hmm. Going to the archive and watching things there. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, it's it's food for my brain. It's inspirational. And it's inspirational. But it's not that I'm going to copy things mm-hmm. that I see there. Of course not. But I... If, as a creative, I'm going to analyze everything that I'm looking at and kind of, you know, come up. Well, isn't that part of like, the research process? What did you call yeah. that research? Because if I'm writing a story about, which, you know, I write a bunch of different fantasy fiction stories. If I'm writing a story about magic or a magic-heavy story, I like to go back to read T.H. Uh, White's Once and Future King or I'll read stories about knights and wizards and you know different mediums and different things and I'm not looking to copy that stuff I think what I think what you're getting at is there's inspiration and there's influence exactly there's a exactly. difference between actually copying something and something inspiring you or influencing you and inspiration and influence can uh, can be similar yet completely different if you're inspired by something and you like uh, a certain like for example I don't like I'm not a big fan of Game of Thrones. I'm not even a fan of it, you know, because I don't like that that, that genre, era. Right? I don't like that genre. Medieval knights and dragons. It just does nothing. For well, me. but for me, right, does nothing for me. But if you can watch a Game of Thrones or you can read a Harry Potter and it inspires you exactly. to 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 do something, yeah, there's, there's no law that says you can't do something in that Harry Potter genre. That Harry Potter, you're gonna be compared to it. You know, because of course it's so wildly popular. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it that's inevitable. That's going to happen. Yeah. But I think that I think that the definition of Picasso's quote isn't so so verbatim as he's as he, you know. It's not that someone specifically steals. Mm-hmm. It's that if someone in your teaching influenced you, you take an idea, you yeah, take a exactly. technique, the way they did it, and you use it. Completely. And I would also say that to your idea that if you're developing something. And you see someone else did it. I understand. You could lose your steam. Like, well, pff, this guy did it already. I'm not going to do it because I'm going to look like I copied it. I usually, when I'm developing something, I like to stay away from seeing anything. Mm-hmm. Because I have always had this, this thought. There is nothing original left on earth. Unless, <laughs> unless some guy starts flying without a jetpack or anything. He literally starts flying. Then you can say... Never forget Darwin Sanchez in 2019. <laughs> in you know, in Hialeah, that, that dude flying. actually flew. You know, and the, he'll go down in history as like, oh, he must be some sort of a god or so. But then you could say, no, that's real. I saw it. The guy flew, and he still flies, and he flies whenever you want him to. But it's amazing to me that there are still ways that people do hand signals. It's right. amazing to me that there are still new ways to dance. It's amazing to me that the human beings can still come up with different ways. Maybe they're maybe they come from past cultures that I know nothing about, and maybe they're just rehashing it. But it's amazing to me sometimes when you watch people do things, and you go, "I can't believe we still have new ways of doing things," because you think I'm tapped. There's no new way of doing this. 
and you go and you see somebody on TV or on the internet and they do something and go damn I thought we were done coming up with mm-hmm. yeah. this and and you find out that they do it so it's incredibly difficult to 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 be original but if you take pieces and bits of concepts and and things and 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 these are things that influenced you and therefore inspired you yeah. and you put them together the way you like you said earlier there is no there is no more original story Right. You I know, mean, every, everything is a rehash of something else. At this point, I mean, I don't know if if the idea of an original story exists. Well, a story, I, I will tell you that a story, original stories okay. do exist. So, do so, so I, I take it's that It's just back. the devices you use for the, those the stories. Plot, all yeah, plots have been already explored. I don't think so. I absolutely, I mean, there's like 20 main plots in almost every single okay. story. I have I, you mean I the have driving an force behind a plot right. type of thing. I have, an, yeah. I have an example for you. So you have Warcraft. Okay. Okay. Nothing Warcraft in terms of you know the characters and the world and 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 everything. It's solely original. You know we it, it, we're talking about ogres, humans, elves, uh, dwarves, mm-hmm. wizards. That comes from mythology, northern, um, uh, Nordic mythology, or whatever. Yeah, or not even. It comes, it comes from, from Lord of the Rings and Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Exactly. So and it comes from there. Of George Orwell, or, of, of not Orwell, of R.R. Martin. I mean, there are direct references in the game to all these pieces of literature. Yeah. Okay. So, but yet I don't think that the actual story that Warcraft tells mm-hmm. is a story that has been told before. It's a remix. Of all of this already existing ideas, done in a different way and right. adding the in- interactive element right, to of it. Of course, no, I, and I agree with that. the The story of like one of the storylines within Warcraft is you have the Prince Arthas, and he is the crown prince, and he becomes evil, and he turns on his country and on his people, and it's up to the people to figure out how to topple him. I mean, the story of a of, of a bad king. You know, be, uh, of a good, yeah, but that's good like that's a story bad. that could be a story of politics where exactly. you know somebody wants to take over the. But that's kingdom. the remix. But it's the remix of a, of stories that have been told a thousand times. That's my know. point. So I don't completely and, agree, and, and but it's that's just fine. it's just uh, it's just again story tropes like the trope behind the story. Um, I think have been. But for example, been, let's talk about games, Battle Royale. You okay. got the new. Battle Royale mode. If you don't know what Battle Royale is, is what Fortnite is. I okay. I, I understand your that your makes it so much clearer. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't, oh, he doesn't play Fortnite, he... but I'm familiar enough with what's trending and well, how people are. All the thing about is that Fortnite. Fortnite, uh, Battle Royale basically is uh, it's a new mode of gaming in which a <clears throat> hundred users right um, are dropped into an island. Okay. And there's loot and, and things in the island that you can use mm-hmm. to survive. And then last man standing wins the game. Right. That's basically it. Battle Royale. It's Battle Royale. Right. So that's a new genre. I, I, it, it's not a new story, though. No, no, wait. It's not a story because it doesn't have a story. But it's a new genre that was created. I mean, before Battle Royale we would say there's no other genre to creating gaming because everything is done. And then Battle Royale Oh, yeah, but that's simple thinking. And Battle Royale, it's 
a mix of other things that already existed. It's it's free for all killing people, mm-hmm. but instead of doing um, I don't know ten people or whatever amount of people they do in Call of Duty or that sort of game, mm-hmm. we have a hundred on an island mm-hmm. that's huge instead of a little map from you know it's kind yeah. of a remix of it what we had other ideas that created a new genre. It's like a and big deathmatch. And then there was a, this whole conversation of oh copying and. And, and copyright infringement or whatever, but yeah, PUBG. Was yeah, before, PUBG came and whatever. And all that stuff. It's it's a deeper conversation because what happened was that actually PUBG hired Epic Games, which are the developers of Fortnite, to create. They they had the idea of creating this map with a hundred people. That's right. what I know. What right. I read, and then all of a sudden Fortnite existed. So right, right, <laughs> right. This, PUBG yeah. was the was a game before right. Fortnite that it was the basically the well, same concept. Well, I mean, that's that's like when you see a, a movie that becomes popular again, going back to Harry Potter, and then all of a sudden you start to see all these Harry Potter-like movies. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, and you uh, think Percy they got Jackson released at the same the, time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you think somebody stole somebody's script and somebody yeah, said right. something. <laughs> or somebody submitted a script that didn't get approved and now they sold it to somebody else, you know. And it, so right. Which one is Armageddon and which one uh, and, and uh, uh, DB Impact? So, so Battle Royale, the, the whole you concept. remember the two movies? Yeah, so yeah. The, came the, out the whole, same time. They same came thing. out at the same time. So <laughs> yeah, but one had Aerosmith and the other one didn't. Yeah, so exactly. Aerosmith wins. Um, but Battle Royale and that concept of putting people in a place where they are fighting for their lives on a map that also is attacking them and shrinking at the same time. Yeah. That's Hunger Games. It, yeah, well, it's pressuring them to Which do something. But that's it's, what I'm saying. It's no different it's than the 24-second shot clock in the NBA. Right. Shoot or you're going to lose the ball. Shoot or you lose the ball. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's so many different ways. Sorry, to I didn't mean to throw sports in there. Oh, my but God. I, sports. <laughs> but I think that's things? what I was saying. <laughs> but I think that's what I was saying. It's a remix. Yeah. I mean, it's taking... It's watching a movie. It's a guy in a theater mm-hmm. watching a movie or reading the book. Mm-hmm. And saying, what if I did this interactive? Yeah. What if I changed this part? What if exactly. I and then you make it your own? And then right? you have a new idea. Well, I think. I think that. Yeah. But again, I think to the point that I'm going, somewhere. not everything is made. I'll take you. It's just that there's there's a lot of things left to be mixed to create more things. I'll take I, you I back think, to. And one thing will create another one, and mm-hmm. I, I mean battle royale. Will, in the future will ignite some other mix that will create a new genre and that is going to continue and continue, mm-hmm. continue let me take you back to how old i am then <laughs> because again i i remember seeing the technology evolve and i'm not just talking about video games but film and video uh we were speaking with someone earlier today at work about you know the 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 value of cgi versus practical effects mm-hmm. and how which one do you prefer I prefer practical, but yeah, I, I realize that sometimes you need some CGI yeah. in there because there are times, like for example, when you do a, a period movie, mm-hmm. yeah. you really can't afford to do an entire lot that looks right, like exactly. a 1940s street, and you can't really put you know a thousand cars down mm-hmm. Main Street that the, are 1940s cars. Yeah, yeah. Like I just saw Bohemian Rhapsody, and mm-hmm. to recreate the Wembley concert, yeah, with seventy thousand people, you can't get that you, many you extras. Yeah. What did you think? By the way, I loved it. I, I really loved it, like but I loved it. I'm I'm a I'm a Queen fan. Uh, I loved it. Uh, it was it was uh, not to get off topic here, but it was a little difficult getting used to Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury. But really? again, for me it was yeah. yeah. Um, but again, I have to, I had to suspend myself from 
from reality. I know that this is a remake. I know that mm-hmm. there's going to be some factual errors. Mm-hmm. I'm not considering it the Bible. I'm not going to sit there and say, yeah. they were wrong about that. It man. was entertaining. <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> it was I love the last 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. The By the way, gamers are like that. Yeah, yeah. No. Gamers are like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no. That's bad. Yeah, oh, they got that it's, little fact It's wrong. not balanced. I, I have I, my money back. I can be a little bit like that myself, except <laughs> I keep it to myself because I know how irritating it can be. <laughs> well, you know. you know, here's the difference. You keep it to yourself, but gamers have these things called forums. Yeah. Where we go well, see, and we just... That, bitch and moan that takes about me back to the point hate. I was. That takes me back to the point I was making about. Yes, yeah, No, uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> please, I've been interrupting you all night. Um, when when you think about like how technology has changed, uh, like you said, the new genre of dropping people on on a on a map and mm-hmm. a map shrinks and all. Um, before uh, and and again, I wasn't into this, but I knew kids who were. Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. These were board games or these were books and you had dice and whatever and you'd roll these things and you'd say magical incantations and all sorts of stuff. People were, were, were living these things out in their brains right. in their, in, on paper and they're taking the notebooks. Mind. Right. But the technology, had it existed back then, it'd be what it's happening right now. Right. And, and I don't know where technology will be in the next five, I'll say ten years. Mm-hmm. If we're able to actually, you know, uh, somehow project ourselves into someone else's living room, yeah. you know, and and interact somehow, and I'm not talking about sex, but if we're able to project <laughs> ourselves into a video game <laughs> and somehow interact with someone on another, you know, there will be another level to video games, and art will be involved in it, but there will be another level that technology will allow us to do that someone is thinking of right now. Yeah. Yeah. So think about this, Oscar. I, and one of the episodes that we're going to do in the future is the virtual reality episode. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest bottlenecks right now to getting virtual reality en masse to people is the, uh, is the technology bottleneck. That a lot right. of people don't have the graphics cards and the computing power to use a VR headset. You have right. to have at least a 970 GTX or higher. Right. Right. So well, that, that's a, again, a high-end car. I remember right. 56k modem. Right. Exactly. So yeah. You know, <laughs> I remember 28. We're on. We're on. You know, are we on? Yeah, Maybe. Yeah. Don't pick up the phone. Don't accept any. Mom, phone hang calls. up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're at the point now where uh, the future of virtual reality, it because of cloud processing, it that's where it's going to take off because then at that point all you will need is the headset, right? Yeah. And forget about having to even be tied to your computer in your room as long as they're you already, have the internet They're connection. already doing that. Right, they're already doing it. Google's mm-hmm. working on it and uh, Microsoft has their own project. But there's an well. Oculus um, Go, I think it's called. The Oculus Go, which is uh, mm-hmm. cloud-based, right? So, I mean, at, well, a lot of the software is. I mean, it's not totally cloud-based mm-hmm. yet. Um, so, yeah, that's absolutely that's absolutely right. And that's the, di- that's the direction that the industry is headed. Have right. you seen VR painting? Yes, I've seen Glenn Keane. What do you think of that? Well, again, it's it's one of the things that you mentioned earlier that I, that I work in on a Cintiq. You you mentioned traditional and 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 when it comes to arts, uh, all of these uh, they can be considered mediums, but I consider them tools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, the tool doesn't replace the artist. Uh, but you. if you give an artist, if I you give an artist a specific tool. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a it's a it's a innovative tool that doesn't you know uh, let that guy or gal play with it for a while, and who knows what they'll come up with, you know. But but these are all these are all tools that may you know like I the painting that I did for you the oil painting yes. I hadn't worked in oils in 
decades. By the way, Oscar did a magnificent oil painting for me that's sitting in my living room uh, on the wall. Um, and it is just an awesome painting of the green pair. This is all audio, so we'll describe it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. But uh, I hadn't done oil painting in a long time. And while I was doing it, there were phases of it that I was excited about. And I was, I was like, it was like finding an old friend. Like, oh, this is fun. And there were parts of it that were just pissing me off. <laughs> that I just really hated. I said, why did I agree to do this thing? And so um, sometimes it, it, VR painting... Or, or different types, you know, not everybody's made for digital artwork, not everybody's made for vector artwork, not everybody's made for 3D artwork. Right. Uh, I just, as an artist, I, you know, and I have to go back to conversations I have with people regarding art because that's 90% of my day. Everybody wants to know, how do you do this and how do you draw that? And I tell people all the time, please stay off of YouTube and these time-lapse um, mm -hmm. uh, tutorials uh, especially the ones where they show somebody drawing with color pencils and it looks like a photo by the time they're done. Mm -hmm. That's not the way you're going to learn art. You're not going to learn art that way. You're, you're going to you're going to learn uh, nothing. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn that somebody else uh, has some clever editing tricks and some sort of trick going on there because while I don't take anything away from the talent of the people that are doing these things, that's not how you learn art. Mm -hmm. uh, you will not be a good artist uh, watching those those video games. You learn art by observing, you learn art by, by practice, and you learn art when you tell yourself, either I'm good at this or I'm not. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, like, I, 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 I love music, but I'm not a songwriter. I'm not going to sit there. You know, the funniest thing when you watch these uh, singing shows on TV, the old one that we all know, you know, when people re refuse to accept the truth. Oh, you, I'll show them. They don't know what they're talking <laughs> about. I'm a good singer. Mm -hmm. And the guy couldn't carry a, a tune. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, accept the reality. If you're not good at it, it doesn't mean, there's not a law that says you can't sing on your balcony. There's not a law that says you can't draw and paint whatever you want. But if you're not good at it, don't put yourself out there with professionals right. because you will fall flat on your face. Mm -hmm. So I, I see people that, that um, you know, want to learn and they go to what's available, YouTube and all these other things. And I tell them all the time, don't do that. Go back to basics, start with the basics and be honest with yourself. And what it is you can do but, but as far as like the different uh, formats there are um, some of them are almost unattainable I don't know whether there's a VR uh, you know um, canvas to, to, to draw on or to paint on if I had a chance I'd play with it for a while but I'd want to figure out how do I keep this file how do I hold on to this thing because <laughs> after, I, I like to retain my art I like yeah. to keep it because it's like why did I make it I, I don't mind when art goes out into the ethos and it mm -hmm. disappears but a lot of times when you spend a lot of time into something, especially your first one, you kind of want to you want to retain a copy of it. And digital art you allows you to do that. VR art? Um, I, there are file types already for VR. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's, there are file types for augmented reality. Mm -hmm. And those are the, I think those oh, are the okay. same file types for, for, uh, for like Tilt Brush as an example. Because mm -hmm. Tilt Brush is basically an augmented reality program where yeah. you're in... And you're and you're painting, you know, you're doing whatever you're doing. I mean, you may not be painting, but you're doing, you're creating your art, and uh, and there is a file type. Okay. Um, and uh, if but you, where do you visualize it or show it or it has to be through the VR, right? Um, There's no, no way to me. Can no. I send it to you in a? I mean, I think you can. Uh, uh, Would you navigate it? I, you can actually turn it and move it. Okay. So yeah, you can totally see all the different parts of it. That's cool. Um, you know, I had this idea to uh, to do this like uh, 
and I'll just put it out there. So I'm putting it out there. Um, <laughs> you know, so if somebody makes money off of this, good. But this is uh, this isn't for me to, to copyright make money off of. Manny. Copyright Manny Fresh. Uh, you know, <laughs> if you could create painting with a twist, right? But do it for people that want to do virtual art. Mm-hmm. So you would have a store front, and it was, and it's all predicated on everyone has their own VR headset, and you know, you bring your bottle of wine, and you you start to do your own art. And, it, and, and I thought it would be really interesting to get people interested in virtual reality, first of all, because that's part of it. And then the second thing is um, all the art that you're doing can be seen by everybody else because they, mm-hmm. they are watching you do this. Right. So there's an entertainment aspect to virtual reality, which I think we've also talked about a few times. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's also part of the draw of virtual reality is watching people do things in this space. Um, so, you know, there's something to be said about that. And I think... Uh, as we get more and more into it, um, you know, like you said, it's a tool, right? And it doesn't replace the artist the same way a tool doesn't replace, uh, you know, a tool for an author doesn't replace the author, a tool for, um, um, for anybody that's working in any kind of um, artistic capacity um, just draws from that toolbox the things that he or she needs and, and, and discards the things that they don't depending on what yeah. they're trying to do. Are there games that combine art and interactivity and 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 VR. Do we know? I don't know about any VR games. Do you remember the old PlayStation game uh, where you're basically uh, uh, like activating all these flowers in a field? Yes, I think so. I I, I don't remember what it's called it's now. Flower, no? It's flower. Yeah, and it's flower. And you move with the controller. And you move up and down the yeah. controller. I'm I'm thinking that if somebody's going to create something VR like, they need to start with that concept mm-hmm. and have people running through a field creating. Creating their own. Okay. If somebody's not working on that, um, please please get on. Well, that. my my son used to love that game. I'm trying to remember the name of it now, but it had Sackboy, the little. Uh, with oh, the, that's oh, Little Big Planet. Little Big little Planet, Planet. Yeah. and he got very good at that. And that was a very good game for a lot of creative kids. And yep. and my son, uh, you know, my son is on the autism spectrum, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's very very wide. So mm-hmm. don't know where he is or anything like that, but. Um, but uh, games like those help help a lot of people out mm-hmm. that uh, maybe uh, are trying to find a creative outlet. Mm-hmm. And he was running through that thing. He was doing all sorts of stuff. And the way he was handling that controller is like mm-hmm. it, it was incredible to see him, to see what he was able to do. And, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, in, in teaching people who want to, uh, who want advice from me as an artist or want, or, or want a little bit of direction, I always tell them that, you know, uh, you got to find your creative outlet. Uh, you can start with paper and pencil, but not everybody's a paper and pencil person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, now that there's digital tablets that are available to people, they can do that. But there's also clay. There's also there's also physical paper. Mm-hmm. There's glass. There's music. Yeah. There are so many ways to be creative that I believe that, you know, uh, it just irritates me to see people just tied to their phone. Yeah. and just stuck looking at the <laughs> that's thing. That's a great, And great, in their head, um, they're doing something, but they're really not doing anything. Yeah, that's a great point because we can talk about, and I love talking about virtual reality and AI and all this stuff, but what about all the stuff that we still haven't accomplished with all of the mediums or tools that we've had available to us for 100 years, 1,000 years as, as, as humans? Mm-hmm. I mean, people are still creating art in normal, uh, maybe not normal is the right word, but in traditional mediums. That is inspiring, yeah. right? That is still fascinating. That mm-hmm. is still amazing. 
Well, so I mean, we I think we we talked about this earlier prior to the to the broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I hate modern art or or the most simplified. <laughs> like when somebody goes and gets a piece of wood, puts it on the wall, and says, and then look uh, at this. This is man's, uh, uh, you know, run from society or something. Yeah. It's just a you know. I'm sorry, but that's the thermostat on the wall. Oh, I thought it was a piece of art. <laughs> there are a lot of people who I think are conning the art the art world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and are just realizing that there are suckers like P.T. Barnum said there's a sucker born every minute mm-hmm. you know you can you can get slightly creative and I think the creative part is that you're a con man mm-hmm. but uh, you can get slightly creative and put something together and call it art and and tell people to pay you know a hundred bucks a head to sit down and, and watch it mm-hmm. or talk about it and and that to me again as an artist is offensive but uh, when it comes to what what the technology can do for us it, it's still, it's amazing to me, you know, when I get my phone and I look and I get uh, some information about the things your phone can do and I go and I go, I can't believe it can do this. Yeah. I had I would have never considered that it can do this. The capabilities of, of, of our phones is almost, it's almost akin to the capabilities of our brains when people say, you're only using 1% of your brain. Right. It's <laughs> and it's like, I'm only not. using like 5% of my phone. Yeah, really, yeah. I don't know what else it can do. And that's do. absolutely true. If you if you ever watch the developers conference that Apple um, hosts every year, they talk about all the things that they're doing with the technology that phones have today. And, and even, and I hate to make it, maybe talk about a little sore spot for our gamer uh, audience, but dun, dun, dun. with Diablo Immortal, Mm-hmm. One of the things that Wyatt Chen said, and he was right. <laughs> the Diablo seems said, to be a really source. It is just a sore spot for a lot of people. But he said, and, and, and I quote, um, our phones are very powerful supercomputers. And, and it, he wasn't like trying to say, he wasn't trying to justify the game by saying our phones are worthy Do of the game. Do you not have phones? Do you not? Then he goes and says, "Do you not have phones?" <laughs> or, or I don't know if it was him. It might have been another guy, but I think it was him. You know, and that was kind of insulting to everybody. So, but yes, we do. We use this to its full capacity. I don't think Probably so, yeah. not. And, no. and are we ever going to get to the point that we're doing it? Unless we're developers or, or in the business of creating well applications. But let's think about memes. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to memes. Okay. If everybody memes. knew how to create an app or mm-hmm. do everything on the phone, everybody would be creating. Them. Everybody will be doing crap. Well, we're getting there. We're getting there. We're teaching our kids how to code at a very early age. Android is doing that. Well, not just Android. (laughs) Well, not just Android, but there are other operating systems, you know? No, I know. Um, But um, again, even with things that we've had for a very long time, uh, there are still new ways to present these ideas. And, And Oscar, to your point, you know, I've heard the quote, art is anything you can get away with. And I never really agreed with that because I always felt like, uh, you know, there's art that I that I think is beautiful and is awesome, and then there's other things like pieces of wood that are detached and floating, or some like really obscure modern art, which is like dots or things like that that don't really speak to me. Hey, that's just me, and that's just my interpretation. I was I, gonna go there, but you know, it's very subjective. It's very it's, it's to very the subjective. Person, to you the know, somebody can think that, that that wood might be beautiful, and and that and maybe because they had an experience with wood, you know, that we don't know about, hey, or okay. you know, I mean, you know, they, they they drifted on to to the you know to to to. The, well, I'll I'll say this, uh, like it, it, since we're talking about art and what is art and what is an art, and and uh, you know, you think of a person like Banksy, for example, mm-hmm. whoever that person is. Uh, but you think of someone like that, and you think of how his artwork, once it's captured, because it shows up, and, and someone says, okay, and it, all of a sudden it's at Sotheby's, and it's sold for, you know, $50 million. 
and you think, you know, and some people criticize and say he's not a true artist. And yet you could debate that. You could say he does create art or however the art is created. You know, you, I think you could debate that Banksy is an artist. What I will say is that Banksy's cornered the market on originality when it comes to the way his art is presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so obviously if somebody else comes out and does a, a stunt, they're going to call yeah. it a Banksy quote-unquote right. stunt. So he's going to get the credit for that. There's another artist that started the, the modern art movement and I think he, he, he covered a toilet in gold or something. Or he just took a he took a toilet and he put it... I don't remember yeah, I the guy's remember name. I remember that. Yeah. He took a toilet, a urinal, and he it put it out there. And, and That was art. And, and yeah, and that was art. Now, <laughs> can you argue that that is art versus the Mona Lisa? Can you argue that that is art versus Michelangelo? That was Mauricio Catalan. There you go. You can argue it. You can argue it. But you can't argue the fact that this was the first guy mm-hmm. that did it. So he cornered the market. He figured out... And he figured out one thing. So any, it's like Jackson Pollock, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Now maybe there was a guy. Yeah. I, my art history is is not strong, but maybe there's a guy before Jackson Pollock. But Jackson Pollock gets credit for drips of paint, mm-hmm. and anybody after him is going to be like, oh, that's very Jackson Pollock esque, mm-hmm. or uh, Warhol, Lichtenstein, mm-hmm. all these artists that are that are household names that we can name because they did it first, and that's the key to art video games, development, or anything, mm-hmm. is, like you said before, and what we talked about earlier, there's nothing left original. Mm-hmm. But if you could take some pieces of something and do it new, yeah, and then now your name gets attached to it. Like I said, whatever Darwin uh, Sanchez from Hialeah starts <laughs> to fly, he will be credited with the first man who actually flies. Yeah. Um, interestingly enough, think, and I also think, because I play chess, uh, chess is an old game that people have played for a very long time. But after three moves, of, you, would, you might think that if, if somebody that plays chess has already played every single possible move that they could play if they've been playing it five years, ten years. But after three moves of each person, you have nine million different possible positions. After uh, four moves each, there are 288 billion different Jesus. possible positions. After I, four I'm moves already each, tired from here. I'm already tired. From, <laughs> I'm tired of thinking about it. Here's wow. one that's going to blow your mind. That's the crazy. number of distinct 40 move games is far greater than the number of electrons in the observable universe. So here's an Jesus. old game, right? And you have chess masters that are still toiling over this game. And you know what? They consider themselves artists. They consider themselves artists because they are finding new ways to win and to and to defeat their opponents strategically, tactically. And it is, to me, that's like art. Because, yeah, sure, everyone's played chess and you've seen it a hundred times, but have you seen this move or have yeah. you tried this new angle? Right. Well, D&D has some, it's very artistic too, because, right. I mean, you have a master that comes up with a story. Right, I have to write the story yeah. or I have to borrow at least elements of the story from a book that's already been written. Mm-hmm. And then the, the beauty of the story is that, okay, I have an outline for what I want to convey, you know, you're in a forest and all of a sudden you appear before a castle. But then the players are giving me their feedback on what they want to do. Yeah. So the story gets completely derailed sometimes mm-hmm. and it just becomes about the players, which is what I love about Dungeons & Dragons. It's but um, if, if, you had to leave, if you had to leave the audience with one thing about art, what, what, would, you, what would you say? Let's start with, let's start with you, uh, Fcos. If you had to leave... If you had to leave the audience with one thing about art, it could be the art of video games, or it could just be art in general, or it could be art as you see it. In I the think workplace. I think as a person who does a lot of things, because I, I 
I like me I I play guitar, play I record music, I I like drawing, I like illustrating. I don't know if you saw my latest illustration of a gaming character that I did it I posted on, on, on Instagram. But what's your Instagram? You have a very unique style by the way. Yes. I have I have thank very you. Very recognizable but unique. Thank you. I have I have my personal account that's uh, Fcos at Fcos and then I have at Fcos Art. Right. Um, so that's mainly where I post my, the things that I do. So I I, I like drawing. I like um, illustrating. I like writing music. I like writing itself. I like uh, yeah. I like graphics, graphic design, three D animation. So 3D. somebody, I guess maybe let me rephrase it. So uh, what what advice would you give? to maybe a young artist or somebody that's trying to break into art? Well, where I was going was there. Mm-hmm. It's just that to me, if, if you... Art is very subjective and its definition, I'm going to say it's very subjective because everybody, regardless of the discipline they do, if it's writing, if it's drawing, or even if it's coding or putting together a table... Um, it comes from ideas. It comes from a vision that that person had in, in, in his or her head. And to me, the execution of that, it takes, it takes me into the art realm. I mean, I think everything could be art if, it, if it's looked um, as art. It's like Steve Jobs, for him, what he was doing with the computers was art. Mm-hmm. So, and he, st- he said, you can <clears throat> steal, we steal shamelessly. Yeah, from our, from our competitors. So, so what? I mean, what that, I, I don't remember the quote exactly, but yeah, I remember yeah. something. Your Honor, yeah, I yeah, to listen to evidence. Was, right. He was <laughs> one who loved that Picasso um, quote. Right. So I think if 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 everything that human beings do mm-hmm. can be art, if they want them for it to be art. Okay. Even a, a guitar amplifier that I'm looking at can be a piece of art if the designer, if the person who put it together wants it to be art. Okay. So my what, what I'm, why I'm saying this is that if you think, and when I say you, I'm talking to the audience, <laughs> uh, if you think you want to be or can be an artist in anything you do, just do it. Just just be an artist, uh, whatever you do. If you're an accountant, make your accounting an art, mm-hmm. a piece of art, because you can do it. It can be beautiful. It's like mathematics or astrophysicists mm-hmm. when they say the elegant universe, right. because what they their approach is artistic, is yeah. defining what happens in the universe in the simplest way. Mm-hmm. So a lot of astrophysics, by the way, not to interrupt you, but. I mm-hmm. just finished reading Carlo Rovelli's latest book. Mm-hmm. A lot of quantum physics is described with shapes and art. Yeah. Because it's the only way to be able to describe it. Numbers don't even aren't even capable of describing it. You have to have visual representation. Yeah. So that's a great point. So my point is we're all artists if we want. Of course, that's an option that you take uh, to put your heart and your emotions towards what you do. So we all have the capability of being artists. And if you have the interest to be an artist, just just be an artist. Just mm-hmm. put your heart, your soul, your emotions into what you do, and you'll be making art. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be beautiful. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Oscar, what would you say to uh, a young fledgling artist that 
is maybe looking to break into the industry somehow. Maybe not just video games, you know, but uh, maybe agency work, maybe advertising, maybe movies, maybe music. Um, any any advice? Any sage advice you can give them? How much time should they? Memes. How much time should they spend <laughs> doing memes? How much time should they spend in the arcade? Well, I, I, I'll start with this. I'm glad that you that you brought it up that way, and you 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 mentioned memes. Uh, I will notice one. Th- I will say one thing that I'm noticing that a lot of young people are doing uh, in, in mass is that um, uh, a lot of young people are being swayed by what's currently going on. The trend and the trend is anime. Uh, so a lot of people are drawing their characters in anime style. And I, I, I hesitate to say anime style because anime is a style, but I don't think people know that they're drawing in anime style. I think people just go, I'm drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, while drawing itself, uh, there are many different ways to style yourself or you say that you have a style. I have a lot of the artists that I follow, and some of the art, some of the uh, some of the um, criticism I'd give artists themselves is that don't call any of your shortcomings a style. Well, that's just the way I do it. That's my style. You know, um, be honest about your 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 shortcomings. Be honest about your ability. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to get out there into the art world and work with uh, with professionals. And by this, I mean colleagues that are probably artists with a lot more experience than you have, uh, or in that case, a client who is paying you. Once you're getting paid, you're considered a professional. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't mean you are professional. Or good. You or are, yeah. Professional means yeah. is the way you carry yourself. Right. Professional means that you can meet deadlines. Yes, professionals fall behind. Yes, professionals get overwhelmed. But professionals mean that these people are disciplined and dedicated to what they do. This is their livelihood. This is their craft. They do this well. They don't do this on the side. Mm-hmm. This is what they got good at. Mm-hmm. And some of them are born with this talent. Right. Some of them developed it. But I see a lot of a lot of young artists now that are drawing in, in anime style. And they say, well, that's just my style. Well, when you run into a situation where a client, and if your client is in advertising, let's say Campbell Soup, Mm-hmm. Or your client uh, is uh, is somebody who wants to do a scene on a storyboard for a Pixar type movie or a Disney type movie or or just maybe somebody who wants you to do a comic book uh, teaching you or maybe you're doing uh, maybe you're doing a a technical book on how to unwrap a package and people want to see realistic hands yeah you know mm-hmm. you can't you can't draw a person with anime eyes you know into the uh, into the uh, instructions of how to how to set up your DVD player or how to set up your console at home and then all of a sudden there's a guy with anime eyes and you know and all of a sudden magical anime sprites are flying around yeah. it's not going to fly right you can't call yourself a professional and say well that's how I do it mm-hmm. you're not going to work Right. And if you think, well, I'll just get work in the anime business, you're not going to work there either. Because those people, those artists are true craftsmen. Yeah. Uh, they, they, if, if they have to draw in another style, they will. Yeah, it'll be slightly tilted towards anime and everything. But that, that doesn't mean that they're going to have big eyes or fantastic expressions or, or all sorts of weird things going on. These people are true artists. These people have developed themselves as artists before they developed a style so saying that you have a style is is uh, is not an excuse for sloppy artwork mm-hmm. uh, you have to really dedicate yourself 
You have to really learn the basics. You have to learn um, a lot of things. There's a, and you're always learning. You know, I'm still learning to this day, and and that's one of the yeah, fun things about being an artist really right. is that you're still right. learning. I I I, I you know the term you know uh, good artist steal. Yeah, it it's not that you actually steal; it's that you take a technique and you mm -hmm. use it because and you adapt exactly. it to you, and you adapt it to you, and it becomes your style, and it becomes how you do things. But you do it because you like it. Mm -hmm. You do it because it suits what you're doing, and it makes you better. But I still I still get off when I see other pieces of artwork that is just really cool artwork. And one of the things that I enjoy about my artwork, and we've been doing this with social media, is I love the fact that I that I can draw anybody else's style if I need to or yeah. if I want to. Because that style is exciting to me. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy the challenge of trying to figure out that style. And it, it's what made me who I am. Sometimes yeah. I'm trying to figure out what my actual style is. If right. somebody said, let loose and draw your style, I don't know. It would be hard for me to find my style mm -hmm. again, uh, but eventually it does come out. I've had people tell me. Now I know look, what I'm going to tell you. Yeah, people look <laughs> at my artwork and they say, "I can see. That I I can tell by looking at it that you did it." Yeah. So I don't see it, but other people I, see I it do. for me. I do. Right. I, I, and I, I would I say I would say several bit. things. I, it, the el, el trazo. Mm -hmm. I think. I the, think I can identify the your the brush stroke, the strokes. I think I can identify it. And I think that if I ask you to do your own style, it would go in a cartoon kind of way. And and by the way, I really like your cartoon style because <laughs> like, I've seen you. it a lot. And and I mean, guys, again, for yeah, follow up the asshole artist, the asshole artist here, Oscar Alonso, as yeah. Oscar, Oscar underscore e underscore Alonso with an S. He is a master. You're gonna see a lot of great stuff in this in this account in this uh, Instagram feed. Uh, but I've seen a lot, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think that this cartoony kind of style, very stylistic cartoony style, is where it's where you like to go the most. Mm -hmm. I think I felt. Um, no, I, you're right. I do. Uh, I do enjoy I've been that. Working because with you, I, I feel, and I love it. I'm not saying this is something bad. No, no, I do enjoy that <laughs> because it, um, it's a style that uh, you know. I don't like to take everything so seriously. Uh, mm -hmm. When you're doing cartoons, you can't take everything so seriously. And and what? But one of the other things that you know have have a lot to do with it. And again, I said before, there are no rules. There's no law that says mm -mm. you can't draw. So have fun, draw. Yeah. You want to copy something? Copy something. Just beware that if you're going to get into the ring with professionals, you're going to be harshly yeah. criticized, yeah. and, it, and you will probably come yeah. back with a diaper full of shit. Yeah, yeah. Because you will shit yourself. And that's very you you good stand. advice because games. They have different styles, right? But but gamers are also very critical, like we yeah. said. So oh yeah, it's, it's not a very just, competitive yeah. field. I mean, yeah. and, and I I know a lot of people that have gone through art school, and I I didn't go to art school, but I just know from their experiences what they've told me, and I think one of the most terrifying things to think of is I've just created this piece of art, and now I have to put it on a wall for not just all my peers to evaluate, but my instructor and the other instructors to evaluate. And I, I think that's got to be like a really gut-wrenching experience, especially if it doesn't sit well with whomever. You it's, know part I mean? of, it's part of what you learn. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things as an artist is, who are you drawing this for? Uh, you know, as an artist, you, you, need to put, you need to exhibit your work. Mm -hmm. 
because if you're just going to draw it and hide it in a in a diary, you know, it's uh, you know, like um, Marty McFly's father said, you know, oh, I don't show my stuff to anybody. Yeah. Well, what's the point of well, writing? What's the point? I think you that's know, ridiculous. why are you doing all yeah. this? You know, you you have to share your artwork. You have to exhibit your artwork. And if you want to work as an artist, you have to be able to take the criticism, and you will get criticism. Right. And once you put your stuff out there for, at a portfolio review, mm-hmm. or, or you go somewhere, you're going to put your stuff up, and you're going to think your stuff looks terrible right. because everybody else's looks so polished, so right. good. And you're going to you're going to go, how did they do that? Yeah. But one of the things you learn is that once you look beyond the polish, and I've always said uh, one of my one of my many sayings. Uh, you know, because I work on a Cintiq, I work in a digital environment, is that if the power goes out, do you still have an artist? Right. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> and that's that awesome. is very critical. That's awesome. If, if you lose power and, and it, you know, your power doesn't come back for four or five days and you have to make a pitch, right. you know, and the client doesn't really care that I don't care that you didn't, you know, and you say, come here, come here. And you bring your markers and you bring, you bring an artist and that artist can convey to that client what you want to show, yeah. even if they have to draw things live. Right. And but what, if you have a crappy artist, forget it. You no, just yeah, lost that account. You're done. And what I'll say to the that is... The one that only knows how to do anime. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I'll Why say are there dragons? Is, <laughs> when the power goes out, are you still a gamer? <laughs> yeah, that? right. And you know what? With me, you are because yeah. I have dice and we can play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, um, right. So that's a great segue. I think. Um, I mean, what the advice? And I'm again. I'm. I'm an. I'm an author. I'm a writer. I'm not a, an artist that I draw my own things. I do draw things, but if um, you listen to what I said, yeah. you will consider yourself an artist. Right. No, I know. So let me. Let, <laughs> You're I, an I'm artist. Gonna, I'm You're gonna an get artist. There. I'm gonna get there. You're just not so, like we defined earlier an artist. Right. I'm not. A, <laughs> I'm not an artist from the sense that I'm not doing this as a professional. So I wouldn't consider myself a professional okay. artist. What I would say is, when I was young, I loved art. I drew all types of things all the time, and I won some art contests when I was a kid. But here's my advice to our audience or anyone listening is, what I've also learned from playing 10,000 hours of World of Warcraft and uh, doing anything for that amount of time is you have to be consistent, okay? You Mm -hmm. have to have consistency, and you also have to have some resiliency. So, yes, your art will be judged. Your writing will be judged. Um... J.K. Rowling's book was, you know, denied by eight publishers before the first, before Blooms, Bloomsbury decided, oh, we'll take a chance on this story about a, a, a boy wizard, um, you know, uh, living on four privet drive. Um, <laughs> so I guess the point I'm trying to make is you definitely have to be consistent because that's how you learn and that's how you continue to hone your craft. Um, and that's probably the most rewarding part for me is, is looking back at stuff I've done before and, and like you said, finding different... Um, uh, tools and different styles and saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to try this plot device that I read in this Charles Dickens book. I'm going to try this writing style that I that I read in this George R. R. Martin book um, or this story and, and try to do it my own way. And I think that that is what makes me very excited about writing. And it's almost like the same feeling you get when you find a new band that you like, you know, or when you find a, a, a genre or a movie that you like, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I haven't heard this song before and it's so awesome or I haven't seen this that's the excitement that I get from finding new tools and finding new things um so the two things I'd say again are you know consistency stick to it Mm -hmm. and resiliency like you're gonna fail you're gonna fall flat on your face it's gonna some days are gonna suck yeah fail harder exactly Mm -hmm. fail harder and and yeah maybe when you put your work up against the, the everybody else's work your initial reaction is gonna be man my work isn't that good 
But the truth is, somebody's going to love it. There's going to be somebody out there. You have an audience for your work. It's just a matter of finding it. And yeah, just, just realize that whatever level you want to work at, again, be real with yourself. Right. Um, uh, there's, there's a guy that follows me on social media. And he does comic book drawings, and he went to the Kubert <laughs> School of Art and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the guy's not good. Mm-hmm. He's not good. But all of his friends uh, and social media, he's probably very good at social media because he got hundreds and hundreds of followers, mm-hmm. and everybody just gasps with, with this. With stuff, this is yeah. so awesome, man. Yeah. Oh, you're getting better. And he's really not. Right. He's not getting better. Um, you know, and... and uh, your your friends and family are always going to compliment you. They're always going to tell you that what you're doing is and good. And there's the nothing wrong with that. That's why there's I love my th- wife's opinion yeah. on my work because she'll tell me flat yeah. out like, "Why did you write? Like, what are you trying to say?" Like, she gives yeah. me some really good. There's feedback. nothing wrong with 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 you know building your confidence. Yeah. But your 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 friends and family aren't going to be paying your bills. Your friends and family aren't the clients. Mm-hmm. You know, your friends and family are going to support you no matter what you create. You know, uh, you want people who are going to be honest with you, and uh, you want to. Ha- that's a good barometer of, of how you're going to be as an artist. And you know, th- th- there's nothing that says you can't do it, but be be prepared because you will be judged on what you create. You will, right. and that's entirely what the business is about. Yeah. And if you can't take it, that's not the business you want to be in. Um, you know, be honest with yourself. Uh, be prepared to, to take a lot of hits. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had people that made me cry, you know, and it just was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. You know, and you and you doubt yourself and you yeah. question what it is you're doing. But, you know, you also set goals and you set, you know, uh, milestones that you want to reach. And you, you know, if you, if you respect the people who criticize your work and give you the comments and you seek it from people who are, much better than you and you're open to criticism and you're open to making yourself better then you will you've already accomplished a lot you will get better but um you know it's it's come out of your comfort zone if you're going to be an artist Mm -hmm. uh and be prepared to put in years and years of training that Mm -hmm. never ends right but if you love it you'll do it oh yeah if you love it you'll do it you'll be motivated to do it that's why we created. Look at us. That's why we created this podcast because <laughs> we love what we do. We we're passionate about so many different things around video games. Art being one of those, one of the main things we love. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to take that opportunity to thank Oscar for joining us today. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, Oscar. And thank uh, you, thank you. You know, it was a treat to have him on the show. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, next time, uh, episode eight is right around the corner. So we're going to be uh, hitting you guys up with that one next week. We're still working on the topic, so um, just keep uh, keep us in mind on our Instagram feed. We'll probably tease it out in the next couple of days. Um, and again, follow Oscar Alonzo. Um, so what's our Instagram handle? Oh, our, our Instagram yeah, handle what is, is it? Uh, at the No Name Gamers um, yep. on Instagram. At No Name Gamers. Let me follow you guys. At, at No Name Gamers. Um, I don't even follow them. I, I yeah. need to get on my game. <laughs> we need to we need to have Oscar follow us ASAP. <clears throat> and when you and if you try to follow me and you find this, oh my God, there's only like a hundred people that follow this yeah, dude. It's it, at I'm not good the at this stuff. No Name Gamers. But, so you know, T H E N O. The No Name Gamers. Yeah, yeah. I'm not good at at. You know, I don't. I don't fall for that. Oh, follow me, and you get a thousand likes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just take whatever comes my way, and yeah. you know, if you follow me on one on one uh, Instagram, you'll find that it's mostly political, and I'm anti someone. 
Uh, if you if you follow me, if you follow me on my Oscar Alonso um, Instagram, you'll find that that's more Disney, more family, more yeah. the art. I like. They're to both do. great accounts. They both they're both yeah. uh, ama- amazing in their own ways. Um, but so, that's yeah. that's an announcement that we forgot to make before. Is that now we open? We just opened our Instagram account. Right. We just opened our Instagram the, account, and we also have our website. Our website. So right. we have our Instagram account at the No Name Gamers. And our website is, we were lucky to find a domain that was .games. So it's noname.games. Right, noname.games. So check us out on noname.games. We're going to start posting some more content on there, some pictures, some, you know, some images, some videos of us, you know, messing around in the gaming world. Once and, we find uh, good-looking people, we'll we need, start Yeah, <laughs> not us, not pictures of us. <laughs> no, 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 we are all no. dashingly handsome in our own way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We are going to find some models and put them in our places and say that those are we, those are us. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, just once again, thanks for uh, joining us today. And this is Manny Fresh and FCOS and Oscar. Who will Peace. hopefully one day come back. That's right. We'll have you Yeah, back. of course. Yes. All Thank right. you. Peace. I enjoyed Bye. it. Thank you.